0: Welcome to the Salty Pastor, episode 6, with Dr. Douglas Peak, uh where we find our saltiness. We've got this um, captain, um, pastor, he's got several alphabet soup letters after his name, um, of knowledge here to just guide us through a lot of stuff and what better time than right now when the world is in such flux and we're dealing with so many changes and that's what's actually our new series that we're starting this week is about the new normal Mm -hmm. um is discussing and so we're going to cover that some current events and several other things during this podcast so without further ado dr (laughs) douglas peak
1: well thank you we're we're currently uh, talking about a brand new series that we're launching this Sunday called The New Normal. Right. It has to do with change and, and what it, what does change do to us? And then how do we uh, grow and experience a deeper faith, a deeper relationship with God in the process of change? Because change can do one of two things to you. It can, it can uh, stop you. It can kind of lock you down. You know, it can create fear in your life or it can be an opportunity if you see it through the eyes of faith to uh grow and develop to new heights
0: absolutely so we last week we're talking about um joseph that's what kind of the whole study on this new normal is he he speaks to having a lot of changes happen in his life we we briefly discussed that you want to review what we discussed last episode about him
1: well we just kind of talked about how joseph was a part of a family uh His father, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, means contend with God. And so evidently all of the brothers, he had 11 brothers, followed in their father's footsteps, contending with God, and they contended with one another.
0: Yes. (laughs) So sibling rivalry was not something new to our culture and our time. It's been around since the beginning.
1: Since the beginning, and a lot of the... I think I think the underlying thing that we're you know this week we're going to talk about is how the dysfunction of families often come out in during change. And the when times of the biggest
0: stress seem to yep. be when, you know, that's when most movies are made around. Everything seems fine until pressure is applied, and then all of a sudden these um, cracks. Yes. start showing up and i can't believe you did this to me all these years ago and yeah. blah 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 blah. well and the,
1: you know it's a disruption or a catalyst psychologists right. will call it a a catalyst uh, when you're when you're involved in systems counseling and because families are systems but the catalyst can come from one of two places it can come from inside like uh one of the children becomes a drug addict uh Or one of the children is, uh, diagnosed with a disease, or maybe one of the children is, uh, killed tragically in a car accident. Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of movies that revolve around that, um, and how it impacts the family. So the out, and that, that brings to light all of those, um, those previous fractures, you know, the old normal. Right. Right. And so, but then sometimes a catalyst can come from, you know, uh, Those are kind of outside type things are involved, but they also can come in different ways. And that is, is that from outside, I guess I would say. And that is, is that uh, uh, a war comes and the family has to immigrate to a new country, right? Right. That wasn't their choice; it came from outside. But that really stresses the family, right? Right. Uh, uh, I remember a story that I heard when I was probably in high school from a, a, a preacher. And he was saying that uh, when he was a young man, his family had to move to the other side of town. And he was probably 10 years old. And and he said they had to move for some reason out of their control. I can't remember what the story was. But his dad had talked to him and said, look, son, I know you don't want to leave. Your friends are here. You don't want to do this. And he said, I was just adamant. I hated my dad for making us move. And so on the day we, we you know put all the furniture in that, this really old box truck and and my dad climbed up there, and I stood on the front lawn, and I yelled at my dad. He said, I'm not going. I'm staying here. And my dad looked at me, and he said, son, I will see you at home. And then he got in the truck and drove off. Oh, man. <laughs> he, said, he said, and then his mom looked at him and said, are you coming home or not? And he said, that was so weird because I felt this was home. Right. And he says, it was in that moment I realized that my home wasn't a place. It was my family. And where they were at is where That's home where it is. Was. And, and his point, and that to me, that really struck me was that, you know, a lot of times we think this world is our home. You know? and
0: We get focused and we fight so hard to yeah. be here and stay here. And we're obstinate on the front lawn saying, yeah. I'm staying here.
1: And, and God is just... <laughs> quietly saying i'll see you at home yeah i'll see you home and so this family i think uh you know is experiencing that they didn't experience a disruption like we are from outside you know a pandemic comes and the government says okay you have to shut your business i I can't imagine something more disruptive to a family than turning off their financial right their income and income yeah uh other people you know are going to lose people who who are going to die because of it. They're going to die because they get it or they're going to die because of something else and they're afraid to go and get treated for whatever they, they are, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, they're, uh, it's interesting to me how much, uh, it's really fascinating to me to see how people, even in their own church, are mad at their neighbors or they're mad at their friends, they're mad at their own church, and all these types of things. And somebody last night said something and we were at dinner with friends, and he said, I think it's just really fascinating that before we were distrustful of the government and what it wanted to do, and now we're distrustful of our own family and neighbors. And that's what's happening right now. Hmm. So what does disruptions do from the outside? They cause a lot of stress. right?" But uh, so we're talking about that, and we're going to talk about what does God do and how do we find principles to not only navigate but work through all of that. Right.
0: So, I mean, we're talking about this family that existed 4,000 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. How does what they were dealing with even really matter to what we're doing today? It's like they didn't have this pandemic, they didn't have. The technology. I mean, there's, it's so far removed. A lot of people would say what happens in the Bible is so archaic, nothing is applicable anymore. What does any of this have to do? Why, why is looking at these stories and um, this history really going to help us deal with what we're dealing with now?
1: Well, as a historian, <laughs> a guy who loves history, old stuff, is uh, the old cliche that those who are ignorant of history are doomed to repeat it.
0: <laughs> all right, you, all right. You could go
1: to the school of hard knocks, right? Or you could be smart enough to learn from other people's mistakes. Yes, that's called wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, learning from someone else's mistakes. I do
0: remember my uh, youngest brother was very uh, adamant about making his own. He like he wanted, he didn't care that you know you shouldn't do that. And I think yeah. that's what we a lot of us get stuck in sometimes is. Oh, well, I know you're telling me that this will happen if I do this, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be different for me because yeah. I'm a special, I'm special protagonist of my own story and <laughs> nothing bad ever happens to me. <laughs> That's what I It's so
1: funny. It's like, I, I've said this before, is don't think you're an exception to the rule because you're not. Right. You aren't, you know. But um, I think it applies in very specific ways because we are seeing a massive disruption in our culture and what you see is you see these two different ethnic groups become apart. You see these Semites, these offspring of Isaac and then Jacob. And then you see Egyptians. Right. And what ends up happening throughout this entire story is they actually uh, kind of the two become one. Right. And then over 400 years, that relationship goes sour And then they are eventually enslaved by the Egyptians. So it's just really fascinating how these things occur. But, like, case in point, I think this story and studying it is important to us today because right now, here's a current event for you, is that Iran is being hammered by the coronavirus right now. It's just being hammered. And uh, it is creating a lot of internal strife. And its conflict with Israel is growing. You know, it's getting worse. And what's really fascinating is right now, nobody knows this. You'd never hear about it. And that's why you're listening to the Salty Pastor, because you find out stuff that nobody else knows, is that there are many Iranian Muslims who are turning to Christ in record numbers. Upwards of 3,000 a month are giving their life to Christ. So How do we know that? Well, there's a group out there. Uh, He is, uh, this guy, his name is uh, Alarisa Nadar, and he is an Iranian expert with the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. And he was talking to a a Christian uh, uh, journalist, and they were talking about a popular satellite channel in Iran. Most people there get their TV through satellites. Right. Okay. And so one of the most popular channels there is in this... uh, uh, christian satellite channel it's called mohabbat t v and mohabbat t v says that we are seeing three thousand conversions to Christianity each month in Iran, so that's really pretty remarkable
0: that is fascinating, yeah, especially with how much um contention they have with Israel and you know uh-huh. their religious beliefs so
1: and he says one of the reasons why is people in Iran are not happy the way their economy is going, the way the government is robbing them of their national resources and exporting Shia Islam into neighboring countries so they don't trust their government at all. So th- this, is, this is something that's a, a massive change. This pandemic is actually opening a door now. People in, we're under the old normal, right? Right. And now they're moving to a new normal. What would happen if the new normal was that Iran becomes a Christian nation?
0: I don't know that anyone can even fathom that because, you know, Middle East peace and having Iran be this Christian... State basically, is so like outside it 's like i't know that, i don 't know that Hollywood even write that story they 're like <laughs> nah, it could no, never happen right. never could happen
1: but you, you see you here 's something else that 's really fascinating that 's going on, and that is, is that um, is in, in i 'm going back to a very simple biblical principle, and that is at the end of the story of Joseph, Joseph looks at his brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, did all of these things to him. And he basically says, what you intended to, for evil, God redeemed for good and brought uh, uh, something that nobody ever even dreamed or imagined of out of it. And so, and it took him a long road of suffering to get to that point and understand that. Right. But, and so that's what we're going to dig into. But here, here's another thing, and that is, is that uh, China, I, I, I'm fascinated with China as a person. And, and here's what I'm fascinated about is because early on, I read of Eric Little, A lot of people don't know who he is. He was the flying uh, Dutchman, they called Mm -hmm. him. And he was the guy in the movie Chariots of Fire. Yes. And he was the English guy. And he he was a 200 sprinter, and nobody could touch him. He was so fast. And he went to the Olympics. But his race for the gold medal was on Sunday. And he said, I'm not going to run on the Lord's Day. He was a deeply committed Christian. He was actually raised in China because his parents were Chinese missionaries. Right? And so he then um, comes back and he's running and he and his sister is pressuring him. says, this is a diversion from God's will for your life. You need to go back to China and be a missionary. And he says to her, he says, he says, I'll be a missionary to China one day, but you need to know that when I run, I feel the glory of God. Isn't that great? He just says, and so he ran with the most weird thing is that his face looked to the heavens when he ran, which they say is a terrible way to run fast. It's
0: not good form.
1: It's <laughs> not good form, but... He ran so fast, but he but he he refused to race, and so what happened is he then was uh, one of his friends said, well here I can't remember it's a four hundred eight, eight one, and they were saying there's no way he'll ever win, he won't even place because he's he has this great start you know, but he can't finish past a hundred yards or two hundred yards he's done right you know, and so he's running it I think it was the four hundred and he ran and won the gold medal. Oh my gosh. And then right after that, and a lot of people are not aware, you know what Eric Little did is he went back to China and became a missionary. And while he was in China, the Japanese invaded prior to World War II that started with us. And they oppressed the Chinese people terribly. They locked him up in an internment camp. And while he was in that internment camp, he, was, he organized sporting activities. He taught the kids. And the Chinese people... Uh, loved him so much, but while he was there, he's like 45 years old, 44, he died in that internment camp. Mm -hmm. And he is the only non-ethnic Chinese in 4,000 years of Chinese history that China has designated him as a national treasure. Wow. Yeah, So I'm fascinated with the people. I read the the, um, Hudson Taylor's biography. He was a missionary to the Chinese people. Mm -hmm. And then I read about the boxer... Uh, rebellion, and then how Mao ejected everybody, and they became communists. So I'm a huge fan of the Chinese people. Can't stand the communist leadership of China. These people are evil. Yeah, you know. And what's interesting is that you can't conflate the two. Don't mix them up. And what's happening today is uh, Xi Jinping, who he is as much a dictator today as Mao was. And he is just as uh, destructive, and a lot of people don't realize this, but what he did is he went to the churches in China, and they said, if you rewrite your Bible, we'll let you meet. Otherwise, we will seize all of your properties. So in the Bible, they're supposed to write that Xi Jinping is divinely appointed Appointed by God God. as uh, as a god. So it's almost Romanesque, like the Roman Empire. And then the second thing they did, they've did, they done is this, is they've gone, and a lot of people who are poor and so, so forth, they get government assist, right, uh, because it's a communist country. And so they've gone to people, and they said, if you don't renounce your Christian faith, you're not going to receive any more government assist. So basically what they're saying to these people is, we're going to starve you to death for your faith. Hmm. And people in America have no idea this is going on. And so I'm fascinated with what's happening in China right now. And this pandemic comes out. And what happens is more people are turning to Christ than ever before in China. You know, and no matter how much the Chinese leadership oppresses them. Guess what happens? There's revival happening, you know, it overcomes it overcomes. So disruptions bring pressure. Pressure starts showing the kinks happening, which leads me to this. And that is, is that uh, here in California, a lot of people are not aware of this. But in California, the United States of America, a lot of people know that, well, Gavin Newsom specifically stated in his order, churches are not allowed to meet. Okay. Now, I think that's ridiculous. It's a direct violation of the First Amendment. And uh, I think you can say, we would like you not to meet. We don't want you to meet in large groups. Right. But you can't make any regulation... Okay. Or law, because a regulation is a law. Yeah, you see, you can't do that that respects the establishment of religion. You just can't do that. So I think Idaho's been awesome, and why I love Idaho is because our governor has said, "Look, uh, all churches are exempt." Back way back in stage one. But the whole thing is, is that we're going to trust you guys to make really good decisions. You're smart people. You're intelligent people. We're going to keep you informed. And churches are going to do the right thing. And they have been yeah. in, in the vast majority. But in California, they want to violate the First Amendment and the civil rights of churches and tell them what they can and can't do. They have even gone so far as to say that you can't sing in church. It's to the point now where there's a pastor who's been around a long time. His name's John MacArthur. He's a famous author and stuff like that. This last Sunday, he got stood in front of the church and said, we're not going to abide by any of these things because we must obey God rather than men. Hmm. And so what does that tell me and why is this? Is that, well, just like the story we're studying is when a disruption comes and change comes, some people really try to take advantage of it. And on the one hand, we have to be really careful because we care about people, but that doesn't mean that everything government is doing is righteous at all. And in many ways, what some of our governmental leaders are doing are antithetical to biblical teaching. And we have to obey God rather than men. And it's important to be, don't formulate your opinion based on your opinion. You need right. to be a part of a church, part of a community that is wrestling in prayer and biblically with these Questions, Right. Right. And this is why I'm trying to tell another thing. And that is, is that in this story, Joseph was so alone and it was so difficult for him, right, to to get where he needed to be because he was all alone by himself. And, the whole yeah. Time. And you, you can't sit alone and listen to what people are saying, even me on a podcast and formulate your ideas and go, ha! I'm right. And everybody else is wrong. You need to be in community because that's how Christ designed his church. And so you can't survive without being in community. And if that means on a Sunday morning, going to a church service and wearing a mask and socially isolating and worshiping the Lord, then that's what you need to do. If it means getting your small group going and groups of five or six people that are smaller and watching uh, online, doing church at home with smaller groups, that's what you need to do. Um, If it's just you and one other person, you need to get together and say, hey, I'm I'm wrestling through with these issues. How do I, you know, what do you think about that? You need to do that. And so community is critical in us dealing with all how these disruptions are stressing all of the old normal and we've got to find the new normal.
0: Especially with all of the the regulations on trying to make sure you're social distancing and stuff. Yeah. It social distancing isn't about just isolating yourself to go crazy in your own home. It's just about Making good choices, but ultimately, you also need to be in community because the worst thing you could do right now, you know, is be alone by yourself with your thoughts and and without any any spiritual guidance, no sense of community, spiritual community. Like that's the worst thing you could do right now. There's too much crap going on in the world. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast, but uh, (laughs) you're salty. There's, there's there's so much stuff going on that you can't just sit in your house by yourself and hope that everything's going to be okay. You're just gonna, you're just going to lose it. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that's, that, that's, that's really, you've got to find your new normal. Yeah. You've got to find that. And and this is it, is that what this disruption is going to do in your life is, it, in some ways, it's going to shred you. It's going to shred you, and what you're going to discover is what you really care about. And, you know, do you really care deeply about your faith in Christ and your family? Do you really care? Well, if you do, then you're going to come up with a new normal that keeps that as your priority and you're going to say look there's no way we're going to make any sense out of this craziness unless we get reconnected with God right. we, we really need to reconnect and my faith can't just be something I have on the shelf and then when I have a bad day I pull it off and say a prayer you know I, my faith has got to be the most vibrant dynamic thing in my life and it's helping me uh, navigate this because in this story the thing that caused more problems than anything else was bitterness and anger and I'll tell you what if your faith is just something that you do as a hobby, or it's an addition, then what happens is you're going to have a lot of anger. You're going to have a lot of anger and bitterness through this, and through all kinds of people. You know, some people people can be angry with their their uh, neighbors. You know, you can you can walk into you know I go to Home Depot all the time, right? And so I'm going to Home Depot, and they have a mandate for masks. You know, so so I got I got one of those. You know. Uh, American flag masks, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm just wired that way. And so I, I pull it up, you know, we're walking in there and there's people that don't have masks on, you know. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, most people, are, some people are going to think, man, that's not right. Those people, man, they get mad at them for not doing it. And I go, okay, that's interesting that we're creating an environment where people are getting mad at each other. and those things. I got a mask. I'm good. I'm okay. And it doesn't matter whether they weren't because I've got one. Right. Right. And so so it's fine. Unless a guy wants to come up and stick his finger in my eyeball, which I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, you know. But but people are getting mad because, you know, they're saying, well, you should have done this and you should have done that. And, I, you know, I, I just think that that's really ridiculous when we say our government should have done this and should have done that. I don't think any of our political leaders are helping. I really don't. I, I don't think that uh, – I may be so salty as to say, I don't think our president is helping the matter in his approach. I don't think the Democrats and what they're doing is helping anything. I don't think anything the media is doing. Right. The, the media is not interested in truth. They're postmodern Marxists. Everybody knows this. This is what's taught in journalism school. Everybody knows this. And if you don't know what that is, then I encourage you to figure that out because I talked a little bit about it in episode, I think, number four, right. about postmodern and Marxism. But postmodernism is the predominant philosophy in America today. It has been for the last 50 years. And what you're seeing is, these, is uh, the Marxists, and these are people who, have, who are ideologically affiliated with Karl Marx and his ideology of socialism, and that's what he called it, and, and they've wedded the two together. And so a lot of what we're experiencing today and our media is predominantly operates that from that perspective. And what's fascinating is well-intentioned media people, well-intentioned media people, people with good hearts, want to do the right thing, are functioning from a postmodern Marxist paradigm in their thinking. And they don't even know it. You know, they don't even know it. And and that's why you see them not being helpful. They create fear, misinformation, and so they're cuz they're trying to create a narrative which is a postmodern ethic or value. Right. And and so what's happening today and this is what I've told people over and over and over and over again is don't be a person that's influenced by this stuff. Think for yourself. Let your faith and God be dynamic and strong and growing so that you become the wise person that you were intended to become. And my goal is to help you become the wisest, most discerning person that you can become in following christ because when you strip all of this away it doesn't matter politically what happens what matters is who is jesus christ what is he doing in your life how is he helping you navigate through this how is he sharpening and growing you and how is he teaching you to find the new normal that's what it's all about
0: who are you following is what it comes down to right who
1: are you going to follow
0: well i think it's just fascinating is there um can we get some of these uh the the stories that you've mentioned can we get some references we can put in the show notes after this and people can see this story about the three thousand a month conversion Mm -hmm. and stuff because i know some people we've we've had some feedback and they're like we love when you you reference these things but we'd like to go and be able to like read them further so yeah absolutely so i think we'll put those in the show notes um Mm -hmm. for those people that that want to go even deeper we go pretty deep in this already but for those who want to get down into the depths and really uh and I mean, it's just like you said, they're you're, they're not wholly reliant on just you saying something about right. a story. You can go in and read it for yourself and make mm-hmm. sure that um, your understanding of it is just as good as uh, uh, Pastor Doug's. Not yeah. just relying on Pastor Doug's uh, version of it to, to inform you. So,
1: And I would much rather, you know, I really want to do that and make this available because what I really want to do is... Like, I want to be able to encourage people to go and I want them to be able to uh, figure out how to know and learn this stuff on their own. Right. It's that, that thing. It's so much better. Uh, don't just take my word for it. I, what I want to do is I want to teach you how to do it yourself. It's not hard and it grows your faith in the process.
0: Teach a man to fish. Amen. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to share with us in our last couple of minutes before we, we sign off for the day? Anything special?
1: Well, I just think, uh, well, this Sunday we're excited, you know, church is up and running, you know, Uh, we're going to have a nursery, Uh, uh, Kate is going to be here with the kids, we're have a family camp out this weekend, so there's going to be a number of families that are going up there, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 people up Mm -hmm. there, but uh, we have a service at 9.30 a.m., we have a service at 11 a.m., we have uh, seating for you, they're set up in socially distant pods. Uh, so it's great to have you on campus. You're more than welcome to be here. We have a nursery uh, that will be up and running. Uh, we'll have uh, kids' classes for some younger kids. And we're going to be doing a massive kickoff for all of our children's ministry here in two Sundays. Two Sundays. So that's really good. And uh, the other thing is that uh, Pastor Harv is uh, in the process of moving. He's supposed to get here to—well, uh, he got here yesterday, Wednesday— right. And I think what's really awesome about that is he's going to be moving into his house and getting settled, so we're excited about that. It's that great is Pastor very good. Harv, yeah.
0: Well, and we've got GLS coming up, so if you're interested yes. in GLS, you Which can Which is the Global up.
1: Leadership Summit, summit um, and it's a, they bring people together from all over the globe to listen to some of the top-notch uh, people who help you become a better leader in any situation.
0: And just like um, services, you can either be on campus and participate with us here, or they are offering the option, just like we do with our services, for an yeah. online experience. Yeah. So um, you can still be part of GLS without coming to the campus if that's something that you want to do.
1: So and you can register through us; it's really easy. Yep,
0: slash events
1: Yeah. So and you can just uh, get right there. So the final thing I want to do is too is I, I don't know is uh, I'm asking everybody who listens to this to just pray because. We have uh, uh, a number of our children's ministry volunteers are people who are older and in the vulnerable population. They just love kids. And so they're like, well, we've got some health issues. We're not quite able to come back yet. And so we need you to jump in and help because we've got so many kids in our church. And you have an opportunity to impact the faith, uh, growing faith of one of these children. I can't tell you. There is no more rewarding experience than doing that. And the other thing is, too, is that if you haven't noticed, you know, through our podcasting and all of our video and everything else that we're doing in our church at home, we, we are producing an inordinate amount of content. Yes. And we need people who want to help achieve that and do a good job. And there's no greater ministry that you can have right now in this Global pandemic than building the kingdom of God, expanding it. It is the answer. It's the hope of the world. And so, come and be a part. You can do either one by simply texting FH Serve to ninety seven thousand. So just go to nine seven zero 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 and text FH Serve, and then you can. They'll contact you. Are you interested in children or production? You don't need a lot of experience. You just need to love Jesus, and you just need to be willing to learn.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us for Episode 6 of The Salty Pastor with Dr. Douglas Peak. Hopefully we'll see you on Sunday uh, with us either on campus or on our live stream at foothills.org. And we'll see you next week for the next episode of The Salty Pastor. See you guys later.